Welcome to This Week in Surgery Centers. If you're in the ASC industry, then you're in the right place. Every week, we'll start the episode off by sharing an interesting conversation we had with our featured guest. And then we'll close the episode by recapping the latest news impacting surgery centers. We're excited to share with you what we have. So let's get started and see what the industry's been up to. Hi, everyone. Here's what you can expect on today's episode. We'll kick it off with a discussion between our host, Rafaela Kinsipi, and Austin Chang, who is currently the CEO of Gramercy Surgery Center located in New York. They chatted about Austin's unique path to becoming a CEO and what it was like growing up around surgery centers. His story is, is so interesting. Um, then they'll do a deep dive into the ASC industry's role when it comes to lowering the cost of care. Um, Austin really shares some great insights into how we can all work together and how it's all of our responsibility to make healthcare more affordable. We'll then close the episode with a few news stories covering everything from the fastest growing ASC specialty, the healthcare worker strikes taking place across the country right now, and then an interesting list that ranks the average hourly pay for registered nurses and nurse practitioners per state. So if you ever wondered how your pay compares to those in neighboring states, today is your lucky day. Uh, so I hope everyone enjoys the episode, and here's what's going on this week in Surgery Centers. All right. How's it going, everyone? I am your host today here on This Week in Surgery Centers, Rafael Kinsby, and today we are joined by a fantastic guest, Austin Chang. He is the CEO of Gramercy Surgery Center out of New York. They have recently been ranked as the number one and number two surgery centers in the state. They've got a location in Manhattan, as well as a location in Queens. And today we're going to be talking with Austin a little bit about how ASCs can contribute to decreasing the cost of care um, within healthcare. So we're pumped to have Austin on. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Um, really, really um love uh speaking about healthcare all the time 24 7 actually so um thanks for the opportunity for uh for, for being on the podcast awesome before we kind of get rolling um for anyone who isn't familiar with you or familiar with gramercy is there anything about you or your surgery center you'd like to to kind of share with some of our listeners yeah i'd love to give a a, a background on the facility um so we were we were founded in 2006 uh it, it was actually founded by my mother uh, so at the time, it was it was uh, the first women-owned uh, multi-specialty uh, uh, founded surgery center. Uh, so it was it was a really big deal. Um, you know, I I think uh, just for the healthcare infrastructure, it was, uh, New York is a CON state, so she applied for the CON and she got it. It was also a little unusual because she was not a surgeon. Um, so really, she spent a lot of time figuring out what the surgeons and patients. Um, uh, liked in their surgery center so that, you know, she could keep the, you know, surgeons happy, um, especially because they were not owners starting out. Uh, and yeah, for me, it was also a big deal um, personally, just because it, you know, um, uh, very soon it was just all she talked about, uh, you know, at the dinner table, um, you know, when, you know, sports matches, you know, just taking phone calls and all that, that, you know, that comes with running a business, but um 
Yeah, so so uh, operating and managing surgery centers really uh, is uh, part of my my life growing up. Awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I took over in uh, 2020. Unfortunately, uh, my mother uh, passed away, um, but I, um, you know, I had a, a the ability to uh, transition in. Uh, I was a, a lawyer, a practicing lawyer. Um, so, you know, I had a conversation with her and uh, I told her that I would do my best to sort of, you know, take on the mantle of, of you know, leading Gramercy, uh, try to take it to the next level, uh, especially uh, in light of everything that's happening in healthcare. Um, you know, we decided I was a good fit, um, you know, not just the legal background, but um, just because I kind of grew up with, with the business. So. I slid in, um, and she uh, unfortunately passed in February of 2020. Uh, but um, I had a great team here to uh, sort of guide me and welcome me in, uh, or I should say welcome me back because I, I um, worked here while I was in law school. Um, and then COVID hit for you know two, two to three years. Uh, I think President Biden just said we're um, we've uh, mission success. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so so that that was my introduction to uh, truly, you know, managing and, and leading a surgery center. I think three weeks later, uh, we we had shut down. Um, so uh, it's it's been definitely a hectic uh, time for me um, and the team here, uh, but it's been very very rewarding. Uh, yeah. Awesome, awesome. Well, I appreciate you giving us uh, some great background there, and um, you know, sorry to hear about the passing of your mother, but it sounds like um, she was a fantastic person, a great um, trailblazer in terms of of leading kind of women led surgery centers um, in the state. So that's that's fantastic. And for you, as someone who grew up around surgery centers, and kind of it sounds like you know your mom was influencing and kind of sharing a lot on the surgery center. Um, for someone who grew up in the space and is now in a leadership role, and especially someone coming from another background where you were practicing law and then coming into a surgery center, what's that experience been like for you? And kind of you know what are some of those things that you found interesting or challenging? Yeah. Um, so. A- you know, I, I tried to get all, all the secrets out of out of my mother, uh, um, you know, before she passed, but you, you just can't do that. And I don't think anybody can really prepare you fully for the role of uh, being, you know, the CEO or administrator of a surgery center, because it is a lot. Um, and, you know, I saw that sort of from the outside looking in just, uh, you know, as her you know, son, family member, seeing all the hours she put in, all the different topics that you know, need to be covered, the, the regulatory, the um, just, you know, run of the mill, running a business issues. Uh, but then on top of all that, all the healthcare nuances. Um, so I definitely knew it was a lot, but I don't know that I knew it was as much as it is. So, um, yeah, so, and, and I'm sure any surgery center administrator who's, who's listening will, will say, yes, of course, uh, you know, we're we're the firefighters of, of uh, you know, the surgery center. We, you know, put out fires every single day. So, yeah, yeah. No, that, that sounds spot on. I feel like every time I talk with someone leading a surgery center, um, I am always surprised by the number of things that they're, they're able to cover in a day. So I'm sure it's been a it's been a fantastic but a whirlwind of an experience. So awesome. I appreciate that. Um, you know, kind of thinking about some of the things we talked about in prepping for, for our call today and some of the topics our listeners are really interested in, you know, it seems like one of your passions is around kind of the 
impact that you can have in terms of lowering the cost of care um, in your time now in leading Gramercy? You know, what are some of the things that have surprised you so far in terms of kind of how the cost of care works between payers and, and patients and reimbursements and just kind of what are some of your thoughts on, on that? Yeah, um, so that was one of the reasons um, why I wanted to kind of come back and, and um, uh, you, you know, continue on the legacy of, of running Gramercy Surgery Center. You know, obviously I wanted to, uh, to make my, my mother proud and, and, you know, have her see that I, I can continue on running the, uh, run the facility and leading the team here. But something else that I thought was um, very interesting uh, was, you know, and not just Gramercy Surgery Center, but all, all you know, outpatient ambulatory surgery centers, they have the capacity to lower the cost of healthcare um, in our country dramatically. You know, there are tons of studies, literature on, on you know, that the actual figure. Um, but that it has, you know, um, very quickly become a passion of mine. Uh, it's sort of become a mission on top of, um, you know, the, the mission of um, taking care of patients and, and our surgeons here. Um, but it is sort of like we're working to fix the healthcare system uh, and heal the healthcare system in a sense as well. Um, something that you know I think is interesting is that uh, there's not necessarily an under a full understanding and awareness of the cost of healthcare. Uh, there there are a lot of things that contribute to that. You know there's People don't necessarily know what the pricing of a procedure is. Um, even even the providers themselves don't know how much they're going to get paid, right? So, um, you know, imagine going to another industry and saying, "Hey, you know, when you walk in for a coffee, you don't know, you know, how much you're going to pay for that coffee, and and you don't even know if you're going to get coffee, right?" So, uh, you know, so I think it boggles um, some people's mind, you know, the way that healthcare works. Um, but at the same time, I think it's it's an opportunity, right? It's uh, it's an opportunity to um, really hone in on the inefficiencies uh, and you know do our best to you know fix it where we can. Um, so yeah, every, every you know I, I I like to share with the clinical team here. You know, um, of course we're taking care of the patient and providing you know the number one number one and number two, uh, you know, service uh, in, in New York. Uh, but at the same time, we're also um, lowering the overall cost of healthcare. Uh, and if if a patient has uh, Medicare or Medicaid as their insurance, you know, that's that's taxpayer money we're, we're saving. Um, you know, and, and um, a lot of it is, you know, performing surgeries uh, at the right time, you know, in the right setting. So, you know, I think people understand that, um, or I don't know if people understand, um, how, you know, procedures that are performed in, in hospital outpatient departments typically, um, you know, are, are twice as expensive. Um, sometimes it's the same exact surgeon who's performing the surgery, right? Um, but just by the virtue of it um, being performed at a surgery center, um, insurance plan is is paying half as much. Um, so I think it, it, it surprises me um, how confusing it is, but at the same time, how, how much opportunity there is uh, for us to fix this.
Yeah, that, that makes a ton of sense. I think you hit a couple really key points there. One, in terms of, you know, as a as someone on the, the other side of it, as a patient, you know, that that gap in terms of understanding the cost of what your healthcare, uh, whether it's a procedure or just even going for a general doctor's visit, that gap in understanding that the cost of care is a huge factor there. And I think that that point that you hit secondly there in terms of the differences between you know, the cost of going to an outpatient department in a hospital versus what you get with the surgery center is pretty dramatic. In your experience, you know, how do you communicate that within the community? You know, um, we've already kind of mentioned it that, that Gramercy was named the number one and number two surgery centers in the state of, of New York, which is fantastic. Do you feel like, you know, within the state and within the specific communities in which you operate, Manhattan and Queens, that there is a good understanding of kind of the value of a surgery center from a cost standpoint? Yeah, so I think that is a difficult question because there are so many communities, um, you know, out there. So I think that the answer to that question is dependent on, you know, each specific uh, community. There, um, there might be some communities um, where, you know, the the benefits of a surgery center are well known uh, and and respected. Uh, and I'm sure there are some, um, you know, communities or states where, you know, surgery centers are still, you know, struggling um, to sort of made, you know, make their presence um, felt and, um, you know, struggling to really maximize um, uh, uh, their benefits uh, for, for whatever reason, right? A number of reasons. So uh, I, I think um, at least where I'm from New York, uh, we, we have a very heavy, um, health system presence here. We, we've got a few um, hospitals that are pretty heavy hitters, <clears throat> excuse me, heavy hitters, um, and, and they're great health systems. Uh, but I think in a market or an environment like that, um, you know, patients sort of in, in their mind, they think, okay, when I need surgery, I need to go to the hospital. Um, and, and that's sort of ingrained in their minds. So I think part of what surgery centers need to do is really educate, uh, and again, this is all, um, you know, community dependent, ed educate the community on, on, you know, the presence of surgery centers, uh, the, the benefits, uh, and, and, and really, you know, that we are part of the healthcare ecosystem and infrastructure. Awesome. That makes a ton of sense. I definitely think the education and awareness factors there are, are huge in terms of getting communities kind of behind and aware of the opportunity they have with the surgery center. When you think about some of those things, in addition um, to kind of the things that you can do as a surgery center, what are some of the things that you think that surgery centers can do to directly help lower some of that healthcare cost? And what are some of the things you'd, you'd want other surgery centers to be thinking about? Yeah, so I, I think, um, and this sort of uh, goes back to an, an earlier question you asked, which is what, what surprised me. Um, I, I think a lot of people view uh, payers um, as, you know, the, the, they're bad, right? They, um, they they sort of make healthcare a little bit more difficult. And, um, but from what I found, um, you know, at least running Gramercy for the past three years is that we actually are aligned with, um, you know, some of these payers a lot more than you would think, right? They, they are trying to lower the cost of healthcare um, because they're the ones, you know, pay, paying for it, right? Um, and what we represent is a lower cost site of care. So really, um, we're aligned uh, in, in that work. Um, so 
that I think is something that surgery centers should really think about. Um, we represent a, um, a solution and answer to a pain point, which is rising, you know, and um, unsustainable rising cost of healthcare. How do you stop that? Um, you know, there's there's a few um, there's a few areas in our in our healthcare our national healthcare costs where the balloon um, where the costs are, are ballooning, right? So, you know, drugs and pharmaceuticals, uh, chronic disease management. Uh, another one is surgery uh, because you know um, a patient shows up and in a single day their healthcare costs for the year um, you know skyrocket 10 20 30,000 dollars right so um, so i think one thing that um, i would say to surgery centers is you know the the payers are not necessarily um, an enemy even though sometimes they might frustrate you know uh, us they they are actually aligned with us and i think working with them um, you, you can really um, do a good job of creating a, a workflow that uh, takes care of the patient, um, you know, minimizes frustrations for the, the surgeons and then lowers the, uh, the, the overall cost of care. Awesome. That, that's fantastic. I feel like you're, you know, you're giving so many great perspectives there that people can take as direct nuggets for them to apply within their, their surgery centers. And also I imagine, you know, for many patients, you know, it's very hard for them to have a, a good sense of awareness on kind of how these factors impact their costs. So a lot of what you hit there in terms of the knowledge, the awareness, and kind of the structure of the relationship between um, the surgery centers their patients and the payers, it's really important that people have a sense of that. So I think you kind of nailed it on the head there. Um, you know, as we kind of get closer to the close of this, I'm thinking through what are some of those key tips? Uh, you know, are there any other additional tips like that that you'd want to share um, for any surgery centers out there, anyone leading a surgery center? Yeah, I would think, um, you know, I'd, I, I would just say that a lot of what we've done recently in working with payers, uh, partnering with payers, um, and in partnering with, you know, self-funded, self-insured companies uh, who are trying to create these health, um, health, you know, benefits designs for their employees, a lot of what we've done is based on data. Um, so you really need uh, the ability to um, capture and harness and present the data in a way that supports your, I sound like a lawyer here, so I hate that, but it you know, <laughs> that supports your, it supports your argument, right? So, yeah. um, uh, and, and you can't do that if you're on paper, uh, you can't do that if your, uh, system that gathers the data for you is not working properly. Um, so, uh, you really got to spend the time to make sure that that's all, um, set up properly. Um, and then, you know, you, you, um, you look at the data and then you can very quickly start to understand where you can add value to, um, a relationship with, uh, either a payer, uh, or perhaps a self-funded, um, uh, company. We, we have a union, uh, that you utilizes our, uh, surgery centers, um, and our, our value proposition to them was, Hey, let's look at, um, the reimbursements, um, it, you know, that, that we sort of charge out as our facility. Uh, this is likely what you're charging out. Um, if, if you're, um, you know, the members of your union are going to the hospital, uh, this is the uh, level of savings that would, um, yeah, you know, that you would benefit from if that volume were to shift out of uh, the hospital. And you do, you do that with like one, one simple CPT code. So for this, um, union that I'm, uh, talking about for, um, 
for that relationship, we started with the very bread and butter uh, outpatient surgery, which was the cataract. Um, you know, it's very, very difficult for um, anybody to say that, you know, a cataract procedure has to be done in the hospital. I, you know, I think we've sort of went through the evolution of, of cataracts leaving, uh, you know, hospital um, settings and, and going to surgery centers. So everybody's comfortable with that concept. And then, you, and, and so you, you say, okay, um, this is, you know, this is the cost savings that can happen um, if you move all that volume out of the hospital. Uh, and that's just with one CPT code, right? Imagine we do this with, you know, all the different specialties we have at our facility. Uh, at Gramercy, I think we're just shy of 12 different specialties. Um, so imagine we, we did this, uh, you know, um, and we spread that across all the different um, specialties, uh, you know, for, for your members. And now you're talking, you know, millions of dollars that, um, you know, a self-funded um, company or, or, or plan uh, is able to save, uh, and that's money. You know, hopefully they drive it into their healthcare for next year. But I, I don't know. Maybe they'll have a nice uh, Christmas party at the end of the year, right? But uh, uh, that's that's up to them. The point is that they have that money that they can um, they can spend, right? Um, so so yeah, um, that that's a long long winded response. Um, but I I think I would share with uh, surgery centers that it, it all starts with the data. Uh, and the workflow to capture that data and present that data. Uh, and once you have that, uh, you know, the, world, the world's your oyster. You can really uh, start, um, you, you know, forging these relationships and these partnerships and backing up what you're saying with, with facts. Awesome. Awesome. That, that's fantastic. Austin, I have appreciated this time that we've had a chance to go through with you right now. Um, it feels like there's so many great nuggets that I'm walking away with and I feel like our listeners are as well. Um, you know, one of the things that we do every episode with all of our guests is that we ask them, you know, we've talked a lot about, about the relationship with payers. We've talked about impacting cost, but what is one thing that our listeners can do this week to improve their surgery center? Ooh, improve their surgery center. Uh, geez, that's a toughie. Um, I, I definitely didn't, uh, didn't see that question in the prep. So that's, that's okay though. Uh, I, I think, um, you know, to the point of data, um, you know, run through double, double check everything that's being, um, put through the, the data analytics machine, whatever that is, um, whether that's the EMR um, or, or um, whatever software the facility uses, um, you know, I think uh, perhaps think of one way to tweak uh, any report um, to, um, you know, visualize the data in a different way. Um, yeah, I, 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 lo- I don't want to sound like a nerd, but I think, you know, that, it, it, it's really all about the, da- the data. Um, one exercise that we actually went through recently that um, it might not necessarily uh, help, you know, improve the operations of the surgery center, but I think is very um, uh, uh, eye-opening is, you know, okay, everybody now understands that, um, you know, hospitals are, are uh, you know, twice as expensive as, as a surgery center uh, on average. So, you know, take that surgery center's um, revenue uh, that they generated, you know, up to this point in time and mul- um, you know, multiply that by two. That's how much um, that would have cost uh, the healthcare system uh, if those procedures were done at the hospital. 
um, and you cut it in half, which is you know the same as the revenue of the surgery center. That's how much money a surgery center has saved um, the healthcare uh, infrastructure, right? So um, it, it's not necessarily something that would improve um, this, you know, the operations of the surgery center. Um, but I, I've done that exercise with my team, and I think it's it's eye opening to them because then they realize, um, wow, we're you know we're not only helping you know our patients, we're not only giving our surgeons uh, you, you know a, a good day, um, but we're also helping to lower the cost of of healthcare for Americans. Um, so. Yeah, I, I, I would recommend um, you know, uh, administrators of surgery centers to go through that exercise. I, I think the team would really like it. Fantastic. I appreciate that, Austin. Um, I feel like our listeners are going to have some great nuggets to take from that in terms of um, the value of, of data and the way that they can be able to kind of take advantage of that within their surgery center. So I appreciate your time today covering these topics on cost, on payers, and giving our listeners that nugget on what they can do this week. Um, huge congrats to you and all of your team members at, at Gramercy. And thank you so much for, for joining us on, on this week in Surgery Centers. Thank you. Awesome. As always, it has been a very busy week in healthcare. So let's jump right in. We have four stories for you today. And our first one comes from Becker's ASC. They published an article explaining why cardiology is the ASC industry's next big thing. And according to two different reports that were cited in the article, cardiology procedures actually received the highest estimated Medicare payment increase in 2021. So obviously that's super appealing. Um, and that also makes cardiology the fastest growing ASC specialty. And it's projected that by the in the mid 2020s, which already at the end of 2022, uh, 33% of cardiology procedures will be performed in ASCs. So, just letting that sink in, one out of every three cardiology procedures um, are projected to be performed in surgery centers by the middle of this decade. Um, it's really interesting to think about this becoming reality when you hear the word cardiac. Most of us think major surgery, something immediately life-threatening, um, but of course that's not always the case. So this shift can mean huge financial payouts for ASCs in the next few years. Um, and right now, of course, we have some people already on top of it. Um, there are some ASCs and management companies leading the charge here. Uh, Value Health, Atlas Healthcare Partners, Medaxium, and that's just to name a few. There are a ton others. Um, are already making plans to improve patient outcomes and access to cardiovascular care in the ambulatory setting. So we will definitely be keeping a close eye on this, and this could be a really exciting change um, and advancement for the, the ASC industry. Our second news story comes from Healthcare Dive. Uh, you may be dealing with this in your own communities right now, but healthcare workers are striking in several different cities in an effort to combat poor working conditions, low wages, unsafe workloads, and, and the list goes on. It's unfortunately the perfect storm. Um, you know, if you think about hospital surgery centers and healthcare facilities of all types, they're all dealing with staffing shortages and retention issues right now. So if you combine that with the nurses and doctors and, uh, and all healthcare workers who are struggling with 
you know, day-to-day burnout, we talk about a ton, um, but also PTSD from COVID-19 and just this overall feeling that that management and leaders are not hearing them and protecting them. Again, perfect storm, both sides kind of colliding here. And in 2022 alone, there have been strikes already in New York, Michigan, California, Minnesota, um, that have had thousands and thousands of healthcare workers participate in these strikes. Um, And from what I can tell, they've really only been at the hospital level so far. Um, However, it's obviously critical that ASCs keep an eye on this and are constantly checking in with their staff and working with them the best they can to keep them happy, appreciated, and of course, employed. They want to be employed. We need them. So please check on your staff, um, do what you can. And if you are located in a state that is currently uh, where a strike is currently taking place, we do, of course, urge you to stay vigilant um, and just in the know about what's going on. Our third story, um, we just wanted to share some interesting numbers that, that Becker's ASC published on behalf of the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. Um, that bureau, The Bureau did what's called an Occupational Employment Statistics Survey. So it is a mouthful. Uh, But the data that they came out with is actually really interesting. Uh, They recently held a survey collecting the average hourly pay for nurses in the U.S. and broke it down state by state. Obviously, salary transparency is something that has um, been coming up more and more in, in conversations and kind of sharing what other people get paid, what benefits they have. So it's perfect timing that we have this data. So let me share some of it with you. Um, First, if we look at registered nurses alone, in the U.S. across the board, the average hourly pay for a registered nurse is $39.78. So some of you might be listening and thinking, that's it, or holy crap. (laughs) But um, nonetheless, $39.78 is the average hourly pay for a registered nurse in, in the U.S., Um, The highest paying state is California, coming in at $59.62. And then the second highest hourly wage is in Hawaii. And then the third is in Oregon. And the three lowest paying states in order are South Dakota, Alabama, and Mississippi. Um, Now, obviously, a lot goes into calculating, calculating these wages and It's not necessarily apples to apples across the board, um, but it is interesting to see the numbers broken out like this. And then if we switch to nurse practitioners, the average hourly pay in the U.S. um, obviously goes up a little bit and and it's $56.75. And again, nurse practitioners, average hourly pay in the U.S. is $56.75. Um, the high pay, highest paying state is, again, California, coming in at $72.99. And then the second is New Jersey, and the third is New York. Um, and switching again to the three lowest paying states, in order, we have Tennessee, Alabama, and South Carolina. Um, so to see the full list and to see where your state falls, check out the episode notes for the link to the full article. We'll make sure to include it. And to end our news segment on a very positive note, uh, the Today Show shared a beautiful story about a NICU nurse who was asked to be a baby's godmother after spending six months caring for him and being such a blessing to his parents and such a resource for them and really helping them navigate 
that horrible time in their lives. Um, Carly Miller was the nurse who is now baby Conrad's godmother. And thanks to Carly and her team, Conrad is now home and doing great. And their strong bond will live on, which is really, really sweet. So uh, just one amazing story about a nurse who is changing lives. And I know there are thousands more out there. So that new story officially wraps up this week's podcast. Thank you, as always, for spending a few minutes of your week with us. Make sure to subscribe or leave a review on whichever platform you're listening from. I hope you have a great day and we will see you again next week.